Reporting from Cisco Security Intelligence Operations, this is the Cyber Risk Report. The Cyber Risk Report is a strategic intelligence product created by Cisco analysts that highlights current security issues in mid- to long-range perspectives. The report addresses seven major risk management categories, including vulnerability, physical, legal, trust, identity, human, and geopolitical. This report covers the time period of April 16th through April 22nd, 2012. Vulnerability activity for the period was increased primarily due to multiple vendor updates for previously known vulnerabilities. HP, CentOS, Montevista released multiple updates for Apache HTTP server, Tomcat, and the Linux kernel. Additional vulnerability activity for the period includes security advisories for McAfee Web Gateway, IBM Tivoli, HP Open VMS, multiple vulnerabilities in WordPress, and new vulnerabilities in WebKit and OpenSSL. Oracle released the April 2012 critical patch update. The update contains 94 new security fixes that address multiple Oracle product families. Since the initial release, additional details on some of the vulnerabilities have been publicly re released, but there's no reported ex exploit activity that's associated with these vulnerabilities. Reports of industrial control system and SCADA vulnerabilities continue to increase, with vulnerabilities reported in Siemens, Koyo, uh, Microsys, and Advice systems. Details of the Mac OS X flashback and the newer SABPAB malicious code continue to be investigated. Both malicious codes target Java vulnerabilities, and Apple's released security updates to correct those vulnerabilities. Additional tools from security vendors are available to identify a compromised system and remove the malicious code. Threat activity also included identification of multiple tax fraud attempts and attacks around the U.S. tax deadline uh, of April 17, 2012. Multiple spam and phishing attempts were reported, primarily targeting the collection or solicitation of personal information needed for criminals to, to file false tax claims and collect any refunds due. New research on denial-of-service attacks and distributed denial-of-service attacks reported that attacks targeting the financial services have tripled in the first quarter of 2012, which is also supported by the latest DOS report from Arbor Networks showing a focus on application-level attacks. IntelliShield published 166 events last week, 57 new events, and 109 updated events. These alerts are available via the IntelliShield Alert Manager service. Visit www.cisco.com slash go slash IntelliShield for more information. Moving on to the physical risk management category. On April 14, 2012, Indonesia experienced an 8.6 magnitude earthquake with the epicenter off Sumatra Island. Similarly, in, in 2004, the Aceh province was hit by a tsunami that followed an earthquake. Unlike 2004, this current event produced smaller waves, and tsunami early warning systems are in place. But unfortunately, the tsunami early warning system only partially passed the test. The sirens were sounded 30 minutes after the earthquake, while 10 minutes is the optimal timing. Additionally, not all sirens in Aceh were in working order, and some were too quiet. 
The data about an earthquake and impending tsunami is collected by buoys floating in the sea. Apparently, only three buoys out of 25 were operational, so not only did the warning come late, but the information on which the decision was made was sketchy and very incomplete. Earthquakes and tsunamis are infamous for their capability for destruction, so early warning systems are essential to save as many lives as possible. The buoys were apparently damaged by fishermen who used them for mooring. Placing sensors and buoys is a relatively inexpensive option, but being on the sea surface, the potential for their damage or destruction increases dramatically. In general, sensors of any kind should be located in places that are protected and hard to access by the general population. Easy access to sensors increases chances that someone may inadvertently damage them. If sensors must be placed in easily accessible places, a separate system must be in place to report operational status on those sensors, uh, combined with an effective maintenance procedure to ensure their working condition and repair. And next, in the trust risk management category... Google sent a message to 20,000 websites warning that they appeared to be infected with malicious code. The websites were identified as performing redirections to known malicious sites, possibly linked to malicious JavaScript or compromised configuration pages on their servers. The attackers may also be using search engine poisoning to inflate the infected websites in search results and direct users to the compromised websites. Initial research also indicates the attackers may be using cloaking to limit when the redirects are performed, also making it harder to identify and remove the infections. Initial evaluations following the Google warning indicate the infections are related to a mass SQL injection attack that was used to compromise the websites and upload the malicious JavaScript that's used to perform the redirects. While Google isn't a security company, they certainly have the ability to detect and assist in these situations by sharing this type of information with website administrators. Additional research and investigations from credible sources can provide more details and aid website administrators and users. While some have used the Google warnings to point out Google's own security issues, Google should be credited with supporting the community, providing the information they have, and leading others to further investigate the attacks and share their information. And this week in the Identity Risk Management category. After nearly five years of debate, the European Parliament passed a revised agreement for sharing airline passenger data on flights from Europe to the U.S., The revised agreement addressed the controversial previous agreement that allowed the U.S. both access and storage of the data. Under the new agreement, the U.S. will mask names and contact information in the data for six months, may store the data for five years, and will then move the data to a dormant database for another 10 years. The other key point of debate was the U.S. accessing passenger data directly in the airline computer systems, which will now only be done in exceptional circumstances. The European Commissioner for Home Affairs said, quote, The deal provided a stronger right to citizens' privacy as well as more legal certainty for airlines. Similar to other security agreements and provisions implemented after 9-11, this agreement has been reviewed, debated, and refined with the intent of providing improved individual privacy rights. Also, similar to the continuing debates over social media privacy rights and tracking of individuals on the Internet, these debates are all shifting toward improved privacy protections and are likely to continue moving in that direction.
while businesses and governments must still attempt to comply with a range of standards and agreements across the globe, the, the continued debates are bringing these disparate standards and regulations more closely aligned and may eventually result in international standards that apply to all simplifying practices and providing uniform privacy rights. And finally, in the geopolitical risk management category, the United States Second Circuit Court of Appeals in New York has overturned a 2010 conviction of software engineer Sergei Alenikov under the Economic Espionage Act. Alenikov, a former Goldman Sachs employee, downloaded source code for the company's high-frequency trading system. The conviction was overturned after Alenikov served one year of his eight-year sentence on grounds that he had not deprived Goldman Sachs of the code by assuming physical control of it, and because the code was not destined for interstate commerce, according to the court's written opinion published last week. The reversal of the Goldman Sachs Economic Espionage Act case may be of particular interest to information security companies because of the increasing problem of software-related intellectual property theft. In this case, the appeals court found that the definition of theft in EEA, uh, the taking of a physical object, wasn't violated. The opinion reads, quote, We decline to stretch or update statutory words of plain and ordinary meaning in order to better accommodate the digital age. In other words, under the EEA, downloading of code is not the same as theft of a physical object. Secondly, because Goldman Sachs did not intend to sell the code, but instead planned to use it internally, it couldn't be deemed as destined for interstate commerce. The 2010 conviction never included the definition of economic espionage, which would have required that the stolen code be intended to benefit a foreign government. Information security professionals may want to take note of this ruling and watch for revisions to the EEA that might provide stronger legal protections in the U.S. for their valuable intellectual assets, however intangible they may be. This concludes the Cyber Risk Report for this week. To read the full report, visit www.cisco.com go SIO and select the Cyber Risk Reports link. Tune in for next week's report from Cisco Security Intelligence Operations. Thanks for listening, and stay safe.